Welcome. We're on another um, staff podcast. Um, we're talking about this week a spirit-empowered life, and so we're going to talk about prayer and focus on prayer. So I'm going to start by um, reading our passage um, that we're going to focus on on Sunday. So it's Exodus 33, um, and I'm going to read um, starting in verse 9 through the end of the chapter, and then we'll dive into some of our questions for this morning. So it says, As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. While the Lord spoke with Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped at at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one to speaking to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by, the, by name, and you have, you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of this earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and you know, pleased with you and I know your name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on those whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So Moses lived a life, and he led out of um, these deep experiences in the presence of God, like we just heard from Exodus 33. So we may not, in this room, have had the experience of seeing God as a pillar of cloud, or, you know, had him pass in front of us as he did with Moses, but... um, we wanted to start off by asking, like, how would you describe being in God's presence? What, what's that like? What is that experience for you? I mean, I think that you, you know, in that, in that story, you have so many different levels of how people experience God, right? And, and I think that, that the experience of God's presence is progressive in the sense that, like, you know, the Israelites could see, they could see the pillar. Like, mm-hmm. he was real. They could mm-hmm. see it happening and impacting other people and there were times where you know I mean Joshua would just go and like be and the Lord just settled in that space and he felt the reality of who God was and then you have Moses who gets to like actually experience God with that kind of depth and then Joshua later as he goes to lead has like God tells him to do stuff that's stupid right like (laughs) walk around a city and don't fight just do the thing right and so like the way that God's presence is it's progressive like you start out in Sunday school just seeing that he's real and then 
the longer you're there and the more used to his voice you get, the more it, the more that it's accessible, right? To the point yeah. that like, you know, I can hear, I, I can find my dad in a mall by his sneeze. <laughs> He's a loud sneezer and like that, that exists, but also like I know him, right? Like I could tell my baby's cry from other people's baby's yeah. cries because like his voice becomes so easy to understand. And like that's I think that's how how the presence of God is for me right now. Like mm-hmm. I have spent enough time with him that I can be driving and turn the radio off and take a deep breath and just go, God, what do you want to do? And he starts to talk. But like it wasn't it wasn't always that way. Mm-hmm. And God is God in all of those things, however you're experiencing him mm-hmm. at that time. You yeah. know? Yeah. I guess to clarify the question, some of and you touched on some of this, Brenna, about being able to recognize your kids' cries just because of the way they cried, because you know them. Helen and I were talking the other day about like it would be one thing for me to say on a Sunday morning from the platform that we have an opera singer here with us today. And you might not have, uh, sure, like we're in the presence of an opera singer, but unless that person were to stand up and begin to sing, you wouldn't know. So there's a difference between like presence, like the presence of God never leaves us. But at the same time, there's, there's times where his presence becomes manifest in the same way that that opera singer would begin to sing. So how do you, how can you tell, like, is there, is there a way or a sense or a way that you sense God's presence? I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, for for me, I actually tend to I, there. There's something that happens like in my gut, and I I actually start to get a little weepy, mm-hmm. you know, um, or almost almost kind of a giddiness, mm-hmm. um, you know. You know, there have been times, but not very often that I that I hear a voice in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think there are, are most of the time. When I feel like the the presence of God is with me, it's not a message that I'm getting, mm. but it's a but it's a feeling, and it's you know that yeah I guess you know kind of weepiness is how I how I describe it, um, but it but it seems pretty clear to me that that that's what it is because yeah. it's happened you know it's probably been that way for 25 years I would guess so I know it I know it when I experience it. But it, but it doesn't always necessarily result in a cognitive sort of thing. I just right. know that I've been in the presence of God. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah for me it would be, uh, there's definitely a feeling, and it's more of an inner feeling. And I think back to the feeling when I, when I was seven years old and gave my heart to the Lord. I just remember the kind of the trembling and whatever was going on within that, I had to move on it. Well, that hasn't continued in that way as I've gotten older. But there is just some kind of a movement within me that just gives me a, a peace. Or it can be, if it's something that the Lord's dealing with me on, it can be something uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. I can sense the presence within, just kind of within my core, I guess. Say. I think it can show up, for me, as peace. Um, so just kind of when... Like at my core, I feel like peace and everything's okay. It's usually because I'm in um, God's presence and he's He's there kind of in whatever situation I'm in or um, in that time of prayer. So, Yeah, I think for me most often, like, you know that feeling when you're sitting outside and it's like a partly cloudy day and the sun is obstructed by the clouds and then 
all of a sudden like a cloud shifts and you can feel the warmth of the sun again. That's, that's usually what that feels like to me. And sometimes that's something where like, I'm inviting the presence of God and I sense Mm -hmm. that. Um, and then there's other times that it just like the cloud moved and there's, there's like, it's like sunshine kind of thing. And it's not necessarily like heat of July sunshine, but just that like really pleasant warmth of like, Oh, the sun's back kind of thing. So being in God's presence, it's not just about the feeling. Um, There's transformation that happens when we're in God's presence. So how have you seen God's presence transform either yourself or a group of people that you're part of? Well, I think one thing that, you know, in being in God's presence, sometimes I do... Like, there are words that come, and it's usually, like, breath prayers to a certain extent of just, like, things that I... I don't understand or things that I need to, he's trying to move me on. Um, and so I think a lot of times it's, it's, it's that. And so seeing it's, it's him reminding me over and over, like one example that he loves me, like him over and over telling me that he loves me and reminding me that that is truth. Mm-hmm. Um, cause more than just intellectual truth, but like really knowing that. And so it has taken a long time, but, but, I've seen him move that, and I do believe that, and, and kind of seeing it that change, you know, how I live or, you know, things that happen in life. So so that's yeah. one example that, that I've seen him do in me. I think, like, the, when, when it describes that God, God's goodness walked past mm-hmm. um, Moses, like, that's... That's that that presence experience that happens, I think, in a in a congregate setting. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was a youth pastor for a long time, and you would have these kids that came in and just didn't know what they thought about any of this. They were definitely <laughs> there for like the free pizza, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like, like the goodness of God would settle on the room, mm-hmm. and like these kids would like. I a lot of times wouldn't get to preach because they were like so hungry to worship, and pretty soon, like these kids that have these heart just wrenching awful things going on in their lives like the goodness of God settles on them and they start to weep and they start to see just like freedom come from them and you know and we would see we would see healings there was one kid that had a broken leg and like God healed it in one of our services like Mm -hmm. when when God's goodness the idea of kingdom right like when when Mm -hmm. God is king when Jesus is in charge like not even like physical reality gets to trump what he wants mm-hmm. to do, right? And so, like, I've just, I think that every manifestation of the Holy Spirit, everything that that God does, where He shows up tangibly, is so that we would, is so that we would know Him and His kingdom would come. And so, like, it, it's for it's for other people to love Him. And so, I I definitely see it show up in places where people have no idea who He is, and He shows them, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, and that's that's totally not an enlightenment enlightenment way to think about faith, right? Because why would you have a service where someone is not preaching? Yeah, because we because we, the Holy Spirit is preaching. <laughs> right, exactly. But but everything for us, you know, one of the one of the things you know, you know, I like to ponder ideas for a long time. But one of the things that has sort of become a reality for me is is that we. We always want growth to be conscious, you know, like I have to, I have to find a new principle and then apply that principle to my life. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not all, you know, some spiritual growth is that way, that I, that I change mm-hmm. habits. You know, we're talking about habits mm-hmm. and things like that. But, but sometimes change comes just from an encounter with God. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, like what you're saying with, with kids who have no idea um, who Jesus is, mm-hmm. and yet they have this encounter. But, but we always have to find a way to be able to explain it, you know, mm-hmm. how exactly it happens. Step one, step two, step three, mm-hmm. rather than just allowing God's presence to, mm-hmm. to, you know, shape us inside, you know. Yeah. Yeah, at our um, church in Delaware, we had this family that started coming, and I think it was like a year and a half into their time there. Like, they were coming on a very consistent basis. Um, but the guy, he he kind of like laughingly said, you know, when I first came here, like, I came from a Catholic background, and this place was too Jesus for me. <laughs> and yet, he recognized that, like, the more time he spent in God's presence, and the more time he spent in worship and in prayer with the rest of the community, like, all of a sudden, like... A, he didn't see himself as someone who would pray out loud and yet like began to like pray in small groups with this parent. Like I'll never remember one of the first times I heard him pray. It was just like, I could have like cheered like, yeah. yes, that is it. Yes. <laughs> like that's a huge step. And then, you know, got invited into a discipleship training thing and he was like, I'll come, but I'm not like sharing thoughts around a circle kind of thing. <laughs> and then by the end of the time he's like sharing his full blown testimony, like around yeah. the living room with all these people and just laughing at himself that like this transformation that had happened yeah. because he continually opened himself to the presence of God in the context of worship, in the context of community, in the context of the word. And yeah. I think if he looked at himself three or four years back, and like we're to told, tell that version of himself that this is where he would be in three or four years, he would have laughed. Yeah. Like just laughed. And it's funny, and we're so mistrustful of uh, emotionalism or scared of emotionalism, mm-hmm. you know, that I think oftentimes when, when the Holy Spirit is moving legitimately in a group, we tend to try to sort of squash it mm-hmm. because mm. I, I'm not, ex- I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe it just makes us uncomfortable or, mm. or we're so this idea of every all growth having to be conscious mm-hmm. um, is so ingrained in us yeah. that if we don't, if there's not some tangible idea that we're moving toward, then we don't think anything has actually happened or we tend to be mistrustful of it. Yeah. Well, and I think, People get a little crazy with Jesus sometimes. Like, well, sure, yeah. Sure. yeah. No doubt I mean, about it. Again, coming from a more Pentecostal background, like there's a there's a science, uh, an art to like moving a, a large group of people through sure. the presence of God. Because like yeah. even you know when Peter went up on the hill with Jesus and he's like, we should build boots right. for you guys. <laughs> right? like, Jesus is like, no, no, no. Like, you don't really get it. You, you don't have to talk about it. You know, like, yeah, there's, there's a part of the Holy Spirit that just sets us on a plane that we don't understand. And yeah. so a big part, I think, of the Holy Spirit and of prayer is... Um, is asking God, what do you want to do? And there has to be people who, like I was saying before, like are trained to understand what God's voice is, to be right. able to navigate some of that stuff sometimes. You know? Yeah, that's the, the huge value of community to me in this process mm-hmm. because it's so easy. I think each of us around the table could probably think of people that we know who their lives went completely off the rails because they were sure that they had heard from the Lord, but they had not submitted that to anybody in the context of community and thus like wreaked havoc on their life. I was um, 
talking to Holly yesterday about this book, um, The Art of Listening Prayer by Seth Barnes, and he talks about like how to journal and enter into conversation with God through that process. But yeah. he writes in there um, that like when he's advocating for this process, he's saying you also need to have one or two people in your life who you regularly submit this journal to, who have yeah. the freedom to read through it and say like, hey, this resonates. This this resonates with what I see in Scripture and what I know about the character and the voice of God, or like this is a little off the rails. Like you, we need to correct this right here. And that's, and that's one of the things like in our, in our society, we're so individualistic that, that oftentimes people get this idea that if it's God speaking to me, Mm -hmm. then nobody else can say anything. You know, I always Mm -hmm. talk about the three most dangerous words in the English language are God told me. Right. Um. And, um, but, but I think from the other side also, when someone does say something, I, I don't know that I've very often, like if someone says, I think this was the Holy Spirit, but I could be crazy. I'm not sure if I've ever, ever heard anyone say, no, I think you're crazy. <laughs> you know, cause we don't want to give, we don't want to give that feedback because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, I think we're so afraid of, of, you know, and you know, I, I don't think we would want to say it that sort of bluntly, right. but I think we're we're so afraid of, of this sort of communal experience of hearing from God mm-hmm. that, that if anyone says anything individually, we might think, no, I don't really think that was God, mm-hmm. or I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to challenge people on it. Mm-hmm. I think we're really afraid of that. But there's value there in that we're talking about being a spirit-led community in the week after we're talking about being a community that is shaped by Scripture. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I think the more we're shaped by Scripture, the more attuned we are to the character and the voice of God, to where that becomes easier to recognize. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and what Moses says in this passage is that he wants to know God's way so that he will know God. So, I mean, the core of that is knowing God so that we can um, reflect him. And I think, you know, another situation where I had a community where I felt like God was really working was... Um, in a church plant where, you know, in the midst of the, the years that we were together, like God, I saw God change all of us in different ways because we were coming together um, as a community to to build this church. And, and so seeing the impact that that had on all of our lives was just a really cool um, chance to, to see God in different ways through what he did in people's lives and how he um, changed them and, and the work that he did in them. Mm. So that was sure. So when it comes to your prayer life, do you have a particular structure or a practice? Um, I know we've talked often in our church about like the ACTS acronym, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. That's a way that you can approach God in prayer. But are there other strategies or approaches that you use in your prayer life? I think for me, like I... <laughs> I started having kids and then I just kept having them. And so, like, <laughs> my... I grew up, you know, in the, you start in the morning and you do your devotional time Mm -hmm. and like, I wake up to a child in my face and I go to bed with a child in my face and like, (laughs) I really had to figure out how to do prayer continuously without ceasing Mm -hmm. instead of doing prayer in chunks. And I mean, there are times where I need to go be by myself with God and I got to do that, but Mm -hmm. that's not always super feasible in the life of all people. So, um, for me, I guess that my big thing is always like, Jesus just did what he saw the father doing. And so wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, God, what are you doing right now? And how can I be part of that? So sometimes that's in a grocery store 
God will just, somebody will just, I call it shiny. Like somebody will just stick out to me and I'll just notice them. And I'll just like, all right, God, what are you doing? You know, and sometimes that's been like, somebody will be short and I'm able to give a little bit of money towards their thing and, and bless them that day. Sometimes there's just, you pray for people, but but um, I think I think that for me the biggest learn that I've had lately is that prayer doesn't have to be a separate thing. It can be an all the time thing, yeah. and just a continuous conversation. That idea of like we all have a thought life, and if you start talking to God instead of talking to yourself, like mm-hmm. you talk to Him all day, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, so I think for me it's a mixture of both. So it's having set aside time, you know, each day spending the Word and then in prayer. Um, but it's also responding when I feel nudges. So if it means you know if somebody. Um, is on my mind like it's it's taking a moment to to pray for them or if there's I don't know something that's kind of just heavy on me it's it's kind of stopping and and taking a moment um to work through that and and pray through that so it's it's a little bit of both in kind of just having some consistency and kind of a set routine um right now I'm you know reading and praying through Psalms and letting that dictate, but there have been times where I've taken Paul's prayers um, in his letters and praying through those. So you letting scripture kind of guide um, that prayer time too, to kind of, again, help teach me what what matters to God and and how I can pray um, effectively um, based on his word. One of the things, one of the things that I think was key um, that, that you said is, is the res- the responding part um, because I think as, as people grow in learning to hear God's voice, I, I think you only learn that if you if you actually respond to what you hear. Mm. Because um, so, for instance, and I think this is an area where, like corporately, we can grow in this area mm-hmm. where if you're praying or if just during the course of the day, God brings someone to mind, mm-hmm. uh, don't just pray for them, but reach out to them yeah. and say, seems like the Lord brought you to mind today. Yeah. You know, what can I pray about? Is there anything going on? Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and I think, you know, over time, as we learn to respond to each other, and if someone reaches out to you and, mm-hmm. and says, hey, the Lord brought you to mind, um, if there's something that is going on with you, share it with them. You know, because that's part of them corporately learning to be spirit empowered, to yeah. be praying for each other and reaching out to each other. And I think that way, as a community, we start to learn to discern the voice of God right. that way. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, one thing that Abby and I talked about um, in preparing for uh, the message on Sunday is, is that a lot of times we don't necessarily know it's about the voice of God until afterwards. So through those those confirmations or through seeing God work. And so it is having that posture of listening and awareness to um, what God could be saying, responding, seeing what he's doing, and mm-hmm. then later finding out, you know, what is him and what's not so that we can grow in that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an attitude or a heart toward obedience. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, even if even if you think, well, I'm not sure if it's God or not, if you respond right. and, and you do that enough times, mm-hmm. right. then you learn, then, right. then you know. If you never respond, right. then I don't think you ever know. Yeah. And I think sometimes that requires us to um, fight against some of that enlightenment kind of thinking that you're talking about. Like sometimes we may feel like God is asking us to do something that sounds ridiculous. (laughs) I'll never forget when I was a kid, there was a missionary who was speaking at our church and she was talking about 
um, the last time she had been on furlough, she went to a church and someone showed up with a box of sippy cups and was like, I don't know why I have all these sippy cups, but I feel like the Lord asked me to bring you sippy cups to take back with you to Africa. And even she was like, sippy cups, really? Like, this is what we're going to do. But she took this box of sippy cups back with her and the hospital that she and her family lived nearby, it turned out uh, they had like kids with um, cleft palate surgeries and like they needed sippy cups. And she was like, who would have thought like this random God put it on someone's heart to like give her this box of sippy cups that she just took with her not knowing why. And then it met an immediate need that she had when she was back on the field. Now, sometimes we're going to hear wrong right. and sometimes we might just do something dumb and it feels yeah. dumb because it didn't really have a purpose. But yeah. other times God is actually leading us to do these things. And if we choose to take the step to respond in obedience, yeah. then he can give you the next thing to do because he knows that you're going to follow through. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is we have to be okay with feeling that way. With yeah. going, I, I, said, I feel I, dumb. <laughs> I have always kind of tried to structure myself and to start my day with prayer. And there are times when something interrupts that, and then I feel kind of guilty about it. But I also am one that responds spontaneously throughout the day. But a few weeks ago, I sat in on a, a webinar that was um, actually with I found out about it through, I got the email through the Wesleyan Publishing mm -hmm. House, and it was based on a book by a gal, and I can't think of her name off the top of my head now, but it was called Unforced Rhythms, and there were three panelists, and there were three different rhythms in it, and it just kind of opened up my eyes, because it talked about the, the daily, weekly rhythms, or the monthly, mm -hmm. or the seasonal, annual rhythms. And then there was a panelist that rep represented each one of those. And I know that the one that was daily was fairly rigidly, you know, it has to be done this way every day. The, the one that was um, monthly, weekly, monthly, whatever, I forget. Um, you know, sometimes I find that maybe a three-hour period at some point during the week was much more beneficial. And then the, the annual seasonal one, it... It just kind of depended on how things fell. But bottom line is that we're all wired differently, but yeah. that doesn't mean we're not sensitive to God and that we can't have <clears throat> real communion with Him in our prayer life. We don't have to do it this way because, you know, everybody else does it that way. So that was very affirming to me that it's okay to have the interruptions, too, in what your approaches are. Yeah. Yeah. So... Sometimes when you feel like you've gotten an approach down or like you've got your rhythm or whatever it is, we can, I think we all have hit or have had multiple times where we've hit a season of prayerlessness, whether we feel like we've lost our desire to pray or um, we feel like we're not getting answers and it makes it hard to pray. How do you overcome those seasons of prayerlessness or when it feels like there's no point in praying? So I think for me, those times have been attitudes or something that God is working on, and I'm I, we're just working through it. Like, either I don't see what he's trying to ask of me, or um, I'm not willing at that point. And so, um, so I think that that's kind of been, it's been a heart attitude that he's needed to adjust in me. Um, and what I've found that works is to just keep going to God in prayer. Like, keep keep doing it and, and letting him... Just over time, work on that area, work on that heart, and, and not necessarily always expecting to see fruit from either my prayer or 
Um, that and over time, again, looking back, I'm able to see God um, change me or more fruit over time um, in an area where I didn't think that he was working or didn't see him working for a long time. For me, it, it is helpful that even in those times that I, I feel more distant, that I still, for, for me, I still try to stick to at least making sure I pray every morning when I get up, before I get up, actually, because I would like to start my day and make sure that those that I'm thinking about her, that I've reminded the Lord. And so, <laughs> um, so staying with that um, habit, so to speak, uh, is helpful, but then... Um, then that helps draw me back too, especially like if I get into my devotions or if I'm doing a particular study for something else that is very inspiring and it does help bring me back around to that deeper, more connected time. I think I tend to be... Um, when times get dry, there's something wrong with the connection for me a lot of times. like I mean, there's been times where... I've been depressed or had, had struggles where I'm mad at God and, like, I don't really want to talk to him. Or there's other times where I'm, I've just gotten out of the practice because I've been super busy or I've allowed whatever. Um, and so um, I think the big thing for me was to break the expectation of, like, I have to do it this way or I can't do it at all, right? So, like, when I started to go, okay, so I need to connect. I started to look at like the in the in the Old Testament, God says again and again, like he you know, he makes them build altars every time he does anything. And when they get off track, he calls them back to so you know, when you lose your keys, where was the last place you saw him? You know, and so like yeah. you come back to like when was the last time that God was real? When was the last time that it was impactful for you? Go back to where you started and then Rebuild, And so, like, for me, I know, like, in the times, especially the times where I've just been really mad at him, there was one time we, we had lost our daughter, and I was angry, and I was not sure what prayer was even for, and I was done. And there was a prayer retreat, and I didn't want to go on it. And I think it was a silent retreat, which was even worse. I, was like, I don't want to be on this, and I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. I don't want to go. <laughs> like, and like I was like, but I can't live like this anymore. And so I know that I find God here. I know that on these retreats, he shows up. And I just remember like I was in a room by myself just yelling at him. And like the presence of God just fell. And like... And the healing that happened that couldn't be tangibly thought through but just had to happen in my heart happened in that space. And, like, no amount of going through the motions of a morning devotion would have changed that. Like, I had to go back to the place where I had seen him last to get to what I needed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, so two things when trying to answer that, that question. Number one, I, I don't I don't think it's realistic to expect that every prayer time is going to be this great emotional experience. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and I think that's yeah, I think that's unrealistic. <clears throat> and and so sometimes it's just, you know, like Carolyn said, it's just continuing to do the rhythm and mm-hmm. and trust that, you know, the, there will be a, there will be signs again. Mm-hmm. You know, the Israelites walk through the desert and sometimes we have desert experiences, but just 
just because it was this day-to-day thing doesn't mean that God's not there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is, is sometimes maybe, maybe there is something new that we need to learn. And this is, again, I think one of the good things about having a corporate experience and talking about this with other people, mm-hmm. because sometimes they'll say, well, you know, here's kind of what I do for my prayer time. You might, you might try that. And then, and then you find out that this sort of newness um, will, will bring about some kind of new aspect of your relationship with God that, that can help. So I, don't, I would say we shouldn't get stuck in this rut of saying, this is how I pray, this is how I do it, and I've done it for 40 years. You know? mm-hmm. there, there are some ways that are just more natural for us. But I think trying new things, a different way to read scripture or a different way to pray or a different posture to take when praying or whatever. And I think sometimes just getting those ideas from each other can be really helpful as well and life-giving. Yeah. Well, think about how you enter into relationship with other people around you. Like my husband and I have been in a stretch of like, it's been multiple years. I want to say like at least five that we've set aside Saturday mornings for breakfast dates. That's not how it was the entirety of our marriage, but we've had a good stretch where like that's a rhythm for us to connect and enjoy something together but that might not always be our rhythm that that may change in a different season we may find that we connect better in a different way in a different season Mm -hmm. and I think that we could probably say the same about our relationship with God like just because something worked one way doesn't mean that you can't Mm -hmm. connect with him in a different way I think some of the times that I have felt prayerless um, or demotivated to pray have been times where like things were really hard and I felt like I wasn't getting answers from God. And there are times that I can look back in retrospect now to see, like, I was asking him for answers and breakthrough and for specific things to happen that he could have done, but they would have derailed the process. And rather than fighting with me, he didn't leave, but he just stayed. And that was frustrating. Like, you need to do this, God. Like, you need to break through in this way, and you need to. And it was like, no, I no, <laughs> just just wait and be patient. Um, and that's really frustrating in the moment, especially for like when you have a desire to like control a situation, or if you think that you know what's best. That's a that's a challenging thing. I think you see that in this passage, right? Like, you've got the oh. You got the Israelites are they're wanting to get the promised land and they're just done with this desert and they're like, Come on, God, show up and he's like, Okay, you guys go. I'm staying here. <laughs> just that, that moment of like, actually you know what, we don't want to go anywhere without you. Right. Like coming back to the it's actually about you and sometimes that that withdrawal of his presence is to remind you mm-hmm. what you're doing this. You know, like, I don't want to go anywhere without you, God. And even if that means that I don't go to the promised land, I'd rather have you here. You know? He's what distinguishes them. Like, in that Mm -hmm. passage, like, he is what distinguishes them from all the other people. Well, I'm sure that we could have this conversation go on and on and on and on and on. Um, But we're going to wrap that up here. Thank you guys so much for joining us for our staff conversation this week as we are talking about what it means to be a spirit-led community.